the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci and Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci and Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci and Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. The views and opinions expressed are based on current economic and market conditions and are subject to change. All investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, and investment advisor, Pat Fatucci of Fatucci & Associates. With over 30 years' experience in the world of finance and investment planning, Pat specializes in personal and corporate investment management with special emphasis on retirement planning. While fears over instability in the banking sector have subsided, at least for the moment, could there be other risks hiding in plain sight that could potentially trigger more problems, such as ongoing weakness in the commercial real estate sector, a tightening money supply, and slowing global growth rates due to inflation? All this begs the question, how could your retirement savings and quality of retirement life be impacted? A conversation with our host, 30-plus year financial manager and best-selling author, Pat Vitucci. And Pat, this certainly raises a lot of questions. While perhaps not on a par with the banking issues of 2008-2009, nevertheless, it's starting to raise some levels of concern. But there are really some bigger potential factors at play here, too, aren't there? You know, as we study the leading and lagging indicators, it's always a, a mixed message. It's never picture perfectly clean. Here's the direction that the economy is going. So we look at patterns of behavior, we look at the data, we got to drill down and look at the fundamentals of the economy. You know, one of the things we looked at, 35% vacancy rate in commercial space in San Francisco. Well, that doesn't seem all that promising of an opportunity if you are a building owner looking to fill your building with potential clients. So there's still this remote-from-home work ethic is still out there. That pattern is still there, although it's declining. More and more companies are saying, no, get your butt back in your cubicle. We want to monitor you a lot more carefully. On the positive side, you know, we've seen the Dow Jones Industrial Average the last couple of weeks do, frankly, quite well. We're probably only off about 8% from the all-time high a couple of years ago. So that speaks to stability and earnings are coming in respectable. There'll be certain sectors of the economy that will flourish very, very nicely. So the big question, Craig, is will we have what we call a soft landing? Will will these rate increases that Jerome Powell has been putting in just about every month, will it create the environment 
for a continued productive kind of economy without giant unemployment numbers, which is what they kind of focus on, if they raise rates high enough, unemployment will go up and the economy will slow. And that's kind of the antidote to inflation. And so will it be one more rate increase this year? Perhaps not. And then the question is, in the second half of the year, will the Federal Reserve consider a couple rate reductions? My feeling has been through the first three or four months of this year, I think the second half is going to be pretty darn productive. Now, out there looming is the Ukraine war. Will China attack Taiwan? Will Japan continue to strengthen? We saw Mr. Buffett making a big move in the Japanese market. This past week, will Japan finally come out of its 20-year doldrums? Remember, was it Theory Z, Craig, where we were all going to be taken over by Japan about 20 years ago, and they were buying up all the uh, trophy properties in America, 17-mile drive and Rockefeller Center, and they were taking over Hawaii. Boy, that climate has changed pretty radically. And so uh, is this the year that Japan will finally show some superlative numbers and start coming out of their, frankly, 20-year recession. So we're watching all these conflicting data points, Craig, and the bottom line is, where is the American consumer? And we know GDP, gross domestic product, is is contributed 70% by consumers. So it's all about consumer confidence. So we're monitoring these actions. Home builders, again, are looking pretty darn strong. Real estate prices are mildly declining, but in some areas they're holding steady because inventory is so darn low. So again, it's always a potpourri of missing mixed directives on leading and lagging indicators, and we're tracking those carefully. And the fundamental patterns, Craig, are pretty illustrative of this kind of volatility. And I think as we go through the uh, full second quarter, We'll get some clarity on this alleged soft landing on uh, where the economy is, is going to be in the third and fourth quarter. I know you often talk about the importance of having a strategy in place. I'm wondering, though, about the necessity to also have a strategy that's a bit nimble. In other words, that's capable of reacting to market conditions. You know, the big sort of debate right now amongst economists seem to be, okay, if we're heading toward a recession, is it going to be a deep but short recession, or will it be a shallow but long drawn out one? And what are the differences between the two when it comes to retirement planning strategy? And I suppose part of that, Pat, has got to do with one's timeline toward retirement. Yeah, it's basically keeping your finger on the pulse of we track about 50 leading and lagging indicators. And let me unabashedly give me a plug for my book, Don't Invest and Forget. I mean, it's a classic example of you know, you got to pay attention. And if you just put those quarterly statements in the bottom drawer and don't do anything, because last year that collection of investments you have did really well, and this year we've got a whole different set of behavior that will translate into different sectors participating more fully. It's called sector rotation. Are you rotating out of something you bought last year into something that's going to be more productive this year? So, again, the whole don't invest and forget philosophy simply says pay attention, and if you're too busy or not interested, not passionate, 
maybe it's time to hire a financial advisor to pay attention on a regular basis to make those daily, weekly, monthly tweaks that we do in our active asset allocation program. For listeners that have not touched their investment choices, they've not revisited their portfolio in perhaps years, and historically they see the reports annually, feel like they're doing okay, now all of a sudden the terms of engagement have shifted pretty significantly, not only because we're seeing lower returns on Wall Street, but also higher cost of living. If your portfolio had kind of an average 2% annual inflation rate baked in and you're close to retirement, you're probably okay. But then, of course, over the last couple of years, we've seen three times that amount, average of 6% annual inflation rate. Is it critical right now for listeners who have not touched their portfolio in months, maybe years, to revisit their choices to make sure that, in fact, they are engaged with the relationship to the current inflation rates? Well, when we go through weeks like this in the last, frankly, the first quarter of 23, reevaluating what areas of the economy you are invested in is critically important. We call that sector rotation. What worked in 22 almost always never works the following year. And so evaluating what areas of the economy you are invested in is really important. And I think it's a perfect time to underscore the need to do some introspection on your portfolio design. Again, we're going to cover some of these items on our seminar. This one is titled Navigating the Economy and the Volatility of These Markets. Please come and join us on Thursday, April 27th. Doors open at 4.30. It's in Bon Vino in Walnut Creek. You can register at one plan wise or go online to Don't Invest and Forget and register there. Again, the title of this seminar is Navigating the Economy and the Volatility of the Markets. How do you react to these daily numbers and the patterns and the trends? Thursday, April 27th at Bon Vino in Walnut Creek. Doors open at 4.30. Seminar starts at 5 p.m. Look forward to seeing you there. Again, register with one plan wise or go to our website, don'tinvestandforget.com, and register online. This whole notion you just brought up, Craig, which I think is critical, what are you going to do in the second quarter and third quarter to capitalize on the direction of where this wacky first quarter has been and where are we going in the second and third quarter, and, and we'll share our thoughts on where we think the market's going. Again, we're taking our best educated guess, so I'm not guaranteeing anything. But we're, what we do need to do is not invest and forget. Go online to register, don't invest and forget.com. Thursday, April 27th, doors open at 4.30. It's at Bon Vino in Walnut Creek. You can register at one plan wise or go online to Don't Invest and Forget and register there. Again, the title of this seminar is Navigating the Economy and the Volatility of the Markets. How do you react to these daily numbers and the patterns and the trends? Thursday, April 27th at Bon Vino in Walnut Creek. Look forward to seeing you there. Again, register with one plan wise or go to our website, don'tinvestandforget.com and register online. Look forward to seeing you there. Pat Petucci says, Don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. My special guest today is Sam Carpenter, who has gone from sleeping on a cot in his office to managing a multi million dollar telecommunications business. 
recent author of Work the System, The Simple Mechanics of Working Less and Making More. Sam, I'm glad to have you on my show. Thanks for having me. Sam, this is pretty exciting. Our listeners are always interested in working less and making more. And you've got the magic bullet today that's going to change people's lives. Well, we'll see. I have a actually a national telephone answering service, and we're up here in Oregon, and I've had it for 23 years now. The first 15 years of this business was a nightmare. I had 12 employees, and I'll make a long story short, uh, 24-365 type business, and I was doing 100-hour work weeks. The office was chaos. People were coming and going. It was a nightmare. I was a single parent of two kids. I wasn't making enough money to make ends meet. It was a very difficult time, and I was going to miss a payroll. A few days before missing that payroll, which of course would have been the end of the business, I had an insight literally in the middle of the night and I realized I could take a different perspective on things. And I took that perspective and applied it to the business and actually to my health, which was very poor, stress-related problems, uh, and into my relationships. And I applied this, uh, what I call a systems strategy to all three of those aspects of my life and absolutely turn things around. What was your motivation, Sam, for writing the book? Well, it worked so well for me, and people have asked me, uh, friends have asked me what I did to straighten things out, and I started to write a handbook for my staff. And, of course, getting into the handbook, I my mind wandered a little bit, and I thought, well, this would make a nice book, and I've always wanted to write a book. I'm 58 years old. I've always wanted to write a book about something, but I never really knew what to write it about. But, boy, this is my life's thing. This is something I can really write about. There must be something when we get to this age that we have to document some things. Is that is that, is that true? I absolutely believe that. And the other thing is you feel like giving to other people. So you talk about working from 80 to 100 hours a week to now you're working two to three hours a week and your income multiplied by 10. How did you do that? Talk to us. Well, let's go back to this little insight that I had. I call it a mini enlightenment. <laughs> I was lying in bed, and I actually, I, I kind of in my head at least, rose above my business and looked down on it and saw that it wasn't a big conglomeration. It wasn't a big pile of chaos. It was very orderly, actually. And the orderliness was that it was a group of separate systems. And from the, to explain what the systems are, uh, you might start with how we answer the phone. How do we answer the phone in the office? Another one might be how do we make deposits to the office, to the bank? And how do we hire people? How do we do a sales call? It turned out there were about 300 of these what I call linear systems in my business. And I took the most damaged one first, and it happened to be making deposits to the bank. I separated it out from everything else, and I wrote down what we did to make a deposit. And I'll go into this a little bit just to illustrate it for your listeners. There were 52 steps in taking a check in the mail and getting it up to the bank, and it had to do with applying that check to the right account, you know, allocating it to the right account and doing the paperwork we needed to do, 52 different steps. And the three managers in my office that were responsible for this process all did it in a different way. We put our heads together. We came up with the best possible way to do a deposit, and then we did it that way. And to illustrate how bad it was, uh, we actually, at that time, this was eight years ago, uh, one of our managers was on the way to the bank and also to pick up her child at daycare, and she lost the deposit under the seat of her car. It turned up three weeks later, she completely forgot to go to the bank, and they didn't even know the money was missing. And anybody with a small business knows that kind of chaos can happen in a small business when you're real, real busy. So we were allocating checks to the wrong accounts. 
It was a mess. Once we put this together and documented it, and documenting is the heart of what we do, a certain unique and simple documentation, we haven't had a problem in eight years. You did a time and motion study, Sam? Is that, is we that did that? a one, two, three, four lineal progression of how we would handle a check when it came in the office. But literally, it was, okay, you have 20 checks, you sit the checks down on your desk, and you open each envelope. You don't take the contents out. You go through and you open every envelope. And then you take the contents out one at a time. I mean, we literally went down to that detail. It took about, I think, eight to 10 hours to do that uh, over a course of three days. And our three people put this process together. Okay, this is the way we're going to do it. This is the way we're going to do it every time. And then we did that with the way we answered the phone. We, and then we did that with everything we did in there. Everything turned into a system, a linear system that would be performed in exactly the same way, no matter who did it, every single time. And then the balance to that, because this is starting to sound like a militant operation, is that we can change a procedure on a moment's notice. So, I mean, even in a meeting in the hallway, walking down the hall, somebody says, hey, Sam, the procedure for this and this, step seven, is just not necessary anymore. Okay, take it out take it out. And they'll go right to their computer, change the written procedure, distribute it, and we're on our way again. So is the goal a very sophisticated time management system? It's time management in the sense that everything becomes very, very efficient. Now, I tell people I was working 80 hours a week and I went to two hours a week. Well, the first part of that's wrong. Actually, I was working 100 plus hours a week. I was doing everything. And the reason I was doing everything is because it wasn't written down and there weren't good instructions for other people to do those things. To go back to my illustration of the deposit procedure, I immediately gain two hours a week. So now I'm down to 98 hours a week. And we worked through all 300 of our systems in about a two-year period, and that's where we got. I'm earning more in a month than I was making in a year, and I work two hours a week just because I should show up. <laughs> I should show up at the office and let everybody know I'm still the leader. And, and we do have a very solid staff meeting once a week, but that's all we do. Sam, how can our listeners apply some of these tools? For a small business owner or somebody climbing the corporate ladder, well, first of all, you have to have something that's marketable. You have to start with the fundamentals, and you have to have a market. The first thing to do is a perspective change. And I, my, the first third of my book works on getting a different perspective of life. And here's an important point in perspective. The first one, of course, is seeing things as systems. The second thing is that you understand that life is 99.9% perfect. Everything works 99.9% fine. Things work 99.9% perfectly, and if you can accept that and go into your business and understand it's probably pretty okay. It might seem like a mess. It might seem like it can't make ends meet, but most of it's working fine. Then you split things apart, and this goes for the corporate person, too. Uh, you split things out and you say, okay, this is our biggest problem. I'm going to write this down in a certain way, and I'm going to analyze this on paper and see where we're going wrong, and I'm going to pass it around to my people and let them look at it too. And we're going to see how we can make this system perfect. And then when we're done with that and we document it, we get everybody doing it the same way and agreeing it's a great thing, we'll move to the next one and then the next one and the next one. Sam, you talked about a lot of small business owners out there, Sam. Give us a couple kernels of thoughts regarding what can they do to apply some of the mechanics of what you've developed? Well, my specialty is small business and management. The first thing is documentation. What is the one difference between big successful businesses and small unsuccessful businesses? So and remember, what? small businesses, 80% of them fail within five years. That's a verifiable statistic. Uh, what is the one difference? And most people can't answer that question. And the one difference is this. Boring but true, the large business has documentation. 
Everybody within the business knows what they're supposed to do. To some degree, depending on the quality of the documented procedures, a person could go to my website that talks about that. And there's a good download there, by the way, 12 Thoughts on Working Less and Making More. But there are three simple documents that I came up with that we use, and the whole company operates around them. One is called a strategic objective, uh, somewhere in between a mission statement, which is a useless feel-good couple of sentences, and a five-year work plan, which nobody does anymore because things change too fast. It's what you are, who, who you are where you're going, what your market is, all on a single page. The second document is what we call our operating principles. We have 30 operating principles, and we call them also guidelines for decision-making, and everybody comes up with their own. Mine are in the book. They can be plagiarized at will. That's fine. One of them is do it now. That's absurdly simple. It's a very profound statement. If you have a choice of doing something now or later, you do it now. Why? Because that's the way we do it. That's how we do it. And then the third set of documents are the most labor-intensive, you could say. Those are called our working procedures. This is how we're going to do our bank deposit. This is how we're going to do a sales call. This is how we're going to fire somebody if that's necessary. Anyway, you go, you have these documents, you get everybody to buy into it, and suddenly you're incredibly efficient, and you're all going down the same road. Well, I was a little confused, and you mentioned in your book Occam's uh, Law. Who is Occam? How does that apply? Occam was a medieval philosopher, fascinating guy, and you can find him on Google. It all boils down to his what, what he called a law of parsimony, and that would be the law of simplicity. And here it is. The simplest solution is invariably the correct solution. And so that's a thread that goes through every part of my life and every part of the business, my relationships, my health, is that if there are several solutions, it's the simplest one, which is probably the correct one. It's a fascinating study if somebody applies it, if your listeners apply it to their lives and think about that. And it's one of our principles. In the system improvement area, I guess the biggest issue is documenting what you're saying is documenting the time in motion of not only yourself, but all your subordinates, and then putting together a procedures manual with job descriptions and procedures, and so that it's more scientific, and thereby you cut out a lot of the extraneous movements and time and of course, time is money, and you'd rather have you and your employees using that free time for their own personal use, their pleasure, or being more productive and therefore driving the revenue line more. Very good, Pat. You just summed up the entire book. <laughs> but the efficiencies that you get out of fixing the little pieces, all the little pieces are working perfectly. And when I had this late night epiphany, I wondered, I, I thought, well, what if I made all the pieces perfect? I wonder if that would make the overall organization perfect. I didn't know the answer to that question. All I knew was I was going to miss a payroll in a week or so, but it was worth a shot. And so we started, and within a week, I knew that it was going to ultimately be the solution to the problems. But what you do is you have efficiency, incredible efficiency, and the people buy into it. Your people will buy into it. If they don't, you get new people. But my staff for telephone answering service, they're paid approximately double what they would earn at any other answering service in the United States. And our quality is verifiably the highest in the United States. We process over 10,000 messages before we get an error reported by one of our clients doctors, veterinarians, HVAC, funeral homes, healthcare. The people buy into it. They understand that the regimented documentation is balanced by our willingness 
to immediately change a procedure if it's not working right. The people that are answering the phones at the answering service, all the way up to my, my five managers, constantly giving suggestions on how to change this or that procedure. It sounds like you've extended your systems. We recently had Michael Gerber on E-Myth. He's the oh, yeah. recent author. Not recent. The E-Myth original has been out, I don't know, 10 or 20 years now. Wonderful book. And he really talks about not working in your business, working on your business. And that's ah, really, yes. really what you're professing. This is key. And the way I look at it is, here's the difference between owning a business and having a job. And I, I have to qualify. Let me qualify it after I make this very simple distinction. Having Owning a business means you don't have to show up. Having a job means you do have to show up. The qualification here is somebody who is deep into sales, heavy into creative work, for instance, disc jockeys or artists or people who write books, the creative people of the world who do the work, that's wonderful. But there is always a certain portion of that creative effort that is mechanical and that can be done by other people. If somebody has a creative a talent and they're doing it full time, they could start a business on the side and put two hours a week into it and make large money on the side. It's possible. I've done it. Any questions? Call us personally, Triple Eight Plan Wise. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E, or go to our website, don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Well, Sam, I want to wish you the best of luck with your new book. Congratulations. It sounds like you've really got your finger on the pulse. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Pat. It's an honor to be on your show. Pat Petucci says, don't invest and forget, invest and forget, invest and forget. Joining me in studio today, a very special guest, Terry Ann Black. Terry is the author of Caring Is Not Enough, My Last Wishes and Personal Records. Terry has been a registered nurse for more than 41 years. During that tenure, she recognized that most of the families she worked with during the time of crisis were unable to access vital information needed when a family member is gravely ill or dies. Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. Terry, talk to our audience about this very difficult time in someone's life, and you were certainly there as a registered nurse. Pretty uh, tenuous uh, circumstances, I'm sure, you were placed under. Yes, I was uh, an emergency room nurse for many, many years, and as you all know, in in an emergency room, we have what are called emergencies, not all of which are successfully ended. And I have seen families in great grief, great surprising grief, and know that once they go home, they have to address a lot of issues. The initial idea for this book came from the death of my father-in-law, and I cleaned out his apartment, and I found a safe deposit box key. You cannot tell where a safe deposit box is located from the key. It identifies the maker of the vault, but it doesn't identify where the box is. And there was no information about where the box was. Consequently, we were never able to locate the box. It was a great loss, probably. He probably had things in that box that he wanted us to have, and we were never able to identify it. So I realized the need at that time to document this kind of information, and that's how the book came to be. So in this complicated world that we live in, and in issues and financial implications that we have in our life, we tend to scatter them around, don't we? I have things in my bottom drawer in my bedroom. I mean, it's kind of all over the place, and there's not one map. This is kind of a roadmap, isn't it? It's really a roadmap, a guidebook, a very simple method 
of reading a question and writing down an answer. And I think that's the real benefit of it. When the time comes, the assigned person, be it the executor or the child, whoever it is, who needs to access the information because that information is requested fast and furiously when someone dies. And I also was amazed when I started doing this just for myself and and my family where everything was. It was all over the place, but now it's all tidily in one place and they can get it when they need it. Terry, most of my clients have a living trust or they have a will, so it's pretty well documented. But then I find out that it's hidden somewhere because they don't want the children to know the assets inside that trust. And there's that generation gap, that disconnect, if you will, between wanting to be open and sharing and making sure the children know where everything is. But concurrently saying, wait a minute, I don't want you to know how much I'm worth because of other personal reasons. And that's a generation that were perhaps born in the 20s and 30s have that kind of mindset. And so they can't find the living trust or they can't find the will. And so that's the instruction booklet, if you will. They can't even find that. That's right. And that's why the very first question is in the book is, do you have a will? Where is it located? The nice part about this book, the way I've designed it, is that it can be filled out And then someone who is trusted can be told where it is. It can be put in a safe deposit box as long as somebody knows where the box is and where the key is. It can be put in just a little strong box in your house. That's why I combined everything into this book because when the event occurs, this book can be picked up and every answer can be addressed. Terry, obviously it's every culture needs this kind of roadmap. Following the issue with Terry Schiavo. And Terry Schiavo was that terrible case in Florida where Congress had engaged and the president had to come in, pass some legislation to, mm, to The help. Supreme Court. Everybody wanted to take care of Terry Schiavo. And Terry Schiavo had not filled out advance directives. She was a young woman. And, it, and um, her insult occurred, I believe, 15 years prior to when she actually died. So we revisited it. We have about 119 questions plus some additional information. With me in studio today is Terry Ann Black. Terry is the author of Caring is Not Enough, My Last Wishes and Personal Records. Terry, we certainly address where is the copy of the trust, where is the copy of the will. How about codicils? I mean, that's something that people amend and adjust those original documents, which may have been prepared 10, 20 years ago, Because over a long period of time, your life changes. You you have more grandchildren, maybe the death of a child, death of a parent. Maybe there's a divorce in 50% of the cases, divorces. So lives change a lot over the years. Where the heck are those adjustments, those amendments to the original documents? Well, one of the things I suggest is to make sure they go over twice a year. My mother was a perfect example. She did a will. She did her advance directives. And then she, too, died in an auto accident. But she had never done a codicil to her will. She had never done any amendments. And so her original will continued to exist after she died the way she did it 15, 20 years prior. Well, in the meantime, she had given away many of the things in her will, and it created an enormous family uproar. And this is the kind of issue that most people have to deal with, death, wills, 
trusts, all of these things are very volatile issues. So, And the infighting you talk about is so common. It's so sad. Not only is the family going through the grieving part of losing a member of their family, but then the commensurate explosions because grandma promised me that ring or grandpa promised me something. And then meanwhile, time has passed and their wishes changed, but the lack of documentation create this family unrest. There's no doubt about it. I am not an attorney. I want to make that very clear. I am not a lawyer. This is not a legal book that I have written. This is not legal advice. It is merely a place to document information. It's common sense stuff, isn't it? It sure is. One of the things that came up is user IDs and passwords. In the world we live in, everything we do has to do with user IDs and passwords. Uh, Even at work, I was working on six programs and had, you know, six different user IDs and passwords. Well, when I sat down to do our user IDs and passwords at home, I had a full page. And that includes the financial issues. And I have a letter from a lady who said that when her 49-year-old husband died while jogging and left her with four children... She had no access to the computer. He was the financial guy. She had no access because she didn't know the user IDs and passwords. Well, and we're told to be very careful not to let your ID, your PIN is your secret. Don't tell anybody. And and so we're drilled into this because of these people stealing things from your credit cards and accessing social security numbers. So, So in one hand, we're told to be very careful. And you're suggesting, wait a minute, there's some parenthetical evidence that we need to share this with somebody at least. It has to be in a place that is safe and secure. When Hurricane Katrina occurred, if everybody had filled out a book, they would have been evacuated, but they would have had all of the information about their credit card numbers, all of their insurance policy numbers and their agents, their phone numbers. It just saves a lot of time. And we live in earthquake country here. I'm an Easterner, so I'm a little nervous about that. But, you know, if you put this in an environmentally safe, a Ziploc bag and put it in your go pack, you'll have this information when you need it. Every Visa card, MasterCard, the the key code word is your mother's maiden name, (laughs) right? I don't tell anybody my mother's maiden name because we've been drilled that. That's confidential, right? It is confidential. But again, you're going to put this into a very safe place and tell someone you trust where it is. That's a question that comes up. You know, when I can't find my password and I go back into the computer, it says, you know, what's the question that you were asked? What is your mother's maiden name? Who was your favorite teacher? Whatever. So those can be very important when you're trying to access very important information after a death or an emergency. And then really basic things like blood type. You know, in an emergency, you need to know your blood type pretty Well, somebody pretty... needs to know it. Yeah. I mean, if you are um, uh, in a Katrina or the tornadoes, you're in a situation like that. I'm sure there are people who were injured beyond people who were, who died. Terry, where do you keep this booklet? I mean, do you keep it in your back pocket? Or, you know, do you... I don't think that's a real good idea or your glove compartment. Again, there are a couple of things you can do. We actually uh, have it in a Ziploc bag. I have one copy for each of us. And it's written. Each of us? Meaning, meaning... My, me and my husband, I'm okay. sorry. And it's written in pencil because things change. But I think the important thing is it should be in an environmentally safe bag like a Ziploc and then put either into a safe deposit box. Again, somebody has to know where that key is yeah. and where that box is or in maybe a strong box in your house or a safe or whatever. Let me make this crystal clear. Vitucci and Associates, we are not attorneys. We are not equipped to give legal advice. I would highly encourage you to hire a licensed attorney that specializes in estate planning issues. If you need a referral for a qualified estate planning attorney, call our offices. We will give you recommendations. 
Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. It has been my pleasure. Thank you, Pat. You've been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with author and investment advisor, Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of Bay Area offices of Atucci & Associates near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Or call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. Program guests and Craig Roberts not affiliated with Vitucci & Associates. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Vitucci & Associates have no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Vitucci & Associates, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.